and welcome to the UK and Ireland Minnesota Vikings fan club podcast. I am your host, Mr. Richard Dawson, and I am welcomed tonight by fan club vice president and all-round nice guy, Mr. John McDonald. But I am also welcomed by UK Sculptured podcast host, Mr. James Hill, and our resident man behind the glass, that is Mr. Reese Field. Can you all say hello, gentlemen? Hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Pleasure to be here. See? This is what happens when you get a proper guest on. They don't use the hello gentlemen like you wallies. <laughs> anyway, we've got a good show planned for you guys tonight. Thank you very much for tuning in. First of all, we're going to have to go and revisit some games that were played at the weekend. We have the divisional round of the playoffs. Let's see what happened there. Of course, we've got a guest person on our podcast today, so that means we're going to have to ask them some questions. Why on earth did you choose the Vikings? That's the first question we always ask. And whilst our star quarterback, Kirko Chains, recovers from that harrowing Achilles incident, he has been watching Disney films on Friday night with his boys. And uh, that's something that we do in our household. It is uh, movie night, resident movie night, Friday night in our household. But he has been asking for some some tips on what he should watch on uh, on movie night, what Disney, what Disney shows. So we'll go around the guys and uh, find out what our favourite Disney film is. Uh, and also, we've got to preview next week's games, which is the conference championship games. Uh, really looking forward to those ones. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So, there was some NFL football this weekend, some really good games. But before we get into that, we do have James Hill on the podcast today. James, say hello. Hello. Nice to be here. Oh, it's nice to have you here, mate. It's nice to nice to finally get you on the show. We've had your um, uh, partner in crime, Tom, on. We've had him on a couple of weeks ago, but uh, it's nice to get you <laughs> here. Uh, and, of course, the first thing we have to ask you whilst you're here is, uh, why the Vikings? So, it's a bit of a funny story. My brother and I had a copy of Madden 12. Uh, we hit random on the teams. I ended up on the Vikings. They were wearing purple. Purple's my favorite color. So I thought, you know what? If I end up winning this game and enjoying it, I'll go watch a game. And Adrian Peterson was just Bo Jackson reincarnated from the old SNES games. So he just went to the house every single time. The score was something stupid, like 57 to 6. I managed to block a uh, uh, extra point chance on my turn as well. So watched the game. And unfortunately for me, never looked back. Ended up me going down to London following the team. You say unfortunate, but at least we're interested, mate. At least we are a team that definitely keeps your interest. Uh, although I can definitely sympathise, obviously, with the heartbreak over the years. Uh, speaking of over the years, have you got a favourite pass player? Oh, it would have to be the uh, Randy Moss. I own a 99 season alternate fan jersey uh, from National Vintage League. It's my favourite thing in my Vikings collection. And I, it's almost a religious item I wear every game day other than the one that I went to London because it was so precious I didn't want to risk it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm guilty of um, ruining a couple of shirts in my time just because I am the most clumsy person on the planet. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I resonate with that as well, mate. I, I love Randy Moss. Everyone does. Uh, you'll be have very hard push to find a Vikings fan that doesn't have him within the top five Vikings players of all time. I'm more of a, a Chris Carter guy, more of his running partner. But, uh, yeah, totally understand the uh, love and dedication for Randy Moss, especially the moon. You know, we all love the moon. Uh, in terms of the current squad, though, I know that we are heading into a potential change in the team. But looking at the past season gone, I know it wasn't the best season. I know it doesn't, didn't pan out exactly how we wanted it to. But any standouts from that squad? Any standout players for you? Um, I mean, again, the current squad, there's so many to choose from. But 
the two really that do come to mind. One would be controversial to some Vikings fans. I love Jefferson. Jefferson is absolutely unreal. I think the second we drafted him, I knew we had a star. Uh, looking back at his collegiate career, and he has not disappointed since. And then I can't hate Kirk Cousins. I really can't. Every fire of my being just cannot resist the hate of him. And I, I honestly do think he's going to get a bit of a bad rap. I'm going to go over that a bit later, hopefully, uh, with one of the topics. Um, but yeah, he, the man under center is just a gem for us. I think without him, we would have had four or five years of just absolute misery. Yeah, I think sometimes people sit at home and listen to this podcast and think we are really a Kirk Cousins fan podcast because um, there's three guys that do this show regularly and I don't think any of us have got a particularly bad word to say about him. He does have his faults. I mean, at the end of the day, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. But if you put him in a team that I think is surrounded by stars, put it this way, if you put him in the 49ers team or if you uh, push put him in the Bills team maybe he wouldn't do as well as Josh Allen in the Bills team but I think in a scheme that suits him um, he's as good he's de- certainly as accurate as any of the quarterback in the league so there's no controversy from me there mate I uh, I love our Coco Chains and I think the quarterback series on Netflix has also adhered uh, the rest of the NFL community to him and he's uh, he's certainly getting a little, more, little bit more mentions in uh, a lot of the NFL press these days. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's rather well loved. Whether that translates to the Viking fans, I know the uh, playoff stat win with, uh, with Kirk Cousins isn't what we would hope it would be, but uh, like you say, whether that would have been any better with any other quarterback, I am unsure of. So just one final question for you, James. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you are on the UK and Ireland Vikings Fan Club podcast. Why are you with us? Why do you join us? Why do you come in into the club week in, week out? It, it was a really nice experience to just talk to like-minded fans. Obviously, getting into American football, I, my initial fear was the emphasis on the American side of it. I thought, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to talk to this to anyone. No one's staying up till 3 a.m. to watch the games uh, like I want to. Um so finding the community was always a really good into it and i've met some great people obviously my co-host from the scourges tom parry jones he's an unreal fella never would have meant it without the fan club and as well one little tidbit i've took away from it as well was just actually being recognized when we went to london to play the saints uh based on interactions i've had in the fan club as well from my own uh, adventures on the uk scourges was just a, a feeling I don't even think I could put into words because you come from the little town I'm from and you don't get recognised by people on the street there. You go to London, complete strangers, and people have recognised you from how you are in a community. It's just, it was a really, really heartwarming feeling and just made the entire day that much better. Yeah, totally, totally resonate with you there. I uh, am probably a one-of-one Viking fan in the uh, little town I'm from. Uh, there is obviously some people within the vicinity that I can speak to. But again, I only know of those people because of the fan club. It's not like, you know, you walk around Morrison's shouting skull and wait for someone to, uh, it's not like Marco Polo, skull polo, and people are shouting back at you. Unfortunately, it's not how you pick Vikings fans up, but uh, the fan club that, that Tommy and John and everyone else from the early days have created has been uh, a real home for us Vikings fans. And it allows us to, uh, allows us to, to connect and it allows us to talk about the team that we love. hundred percent. And I can't pass my thanks on enough for the people who actually run it all behind the scenes. I mean, I was there at the Houston flyer when 
all the meetup was happening the day before and again just organizing something on that scale talking to people from all walks of life was just incredible and it's thanks to the fan club that we have those experiences yeah again totally agree john you don't get enough praise tommy in the background doesn't get enough praise reese you've been here for millions of years you don't get enough praise um it's it's a, a great little community that we have and uh, there's a lot of love in it as well so uh, yeah thanks for being part of it and thanks for thanks for joining in anytime happy to be a part of it well that's enough gushing over the fans uh, i think it's time to get into something that unfortunately we haven't been to for a, a little while which is the uh, the divisional playoff round and there were some great games this weekend so let's talk and uh, let's see how it went So we are coming out of the divisional round of the playoffs. Some great games at the weekend. Some really good football. Some really good ball retention. I've noticed that in the playoffs recently, is that, this year, is that there's not many fumbles happening. Obviously, there's been some quarterback errors, but I can't remember too many people dropping the ball, apart from in the Bills-Chiefs game. John, did you manage to catch that game? Yes, I did. It was, a, it was one of the games I was looking forward to most this weekend. So, yeah, it was definitely worth staying up for and it did not let down at all did it really yeah i uh i stayed up with the missus to watch it obviously she's a big bills fan she's been miserable in the house this, this past couple of days and uh john explain why she's been miserable it was it was just hard to watch oh, i've said it before and i'll say it again there is no nfl franchise that is linked more with the vikings than the bills we've both been to four super bowls we've both miss kicks at crucial times over and over again. There's no more heartbreak that we, us Vikings fans, feel more linked with than the Bills. In my opinion, it was it was just a hard game. I don't. People are blaming uh, Josh Allen for the loss, saying he should have done more. He was putting it in the hand of his receivers, and they, some of them just weren't coming up. That Diggs Diggs didn't catch it when it was in his hands on that crucial down later on in the game but it's Josh Allen couldn't have done much more in that game to win that game for the Bills yeah I've uh I watched Diggs with some um with a bit of an eagle eye on that game because he's not been great this season there's no bones about it he's um he's not been targeted very often I think He's he's been down the pecking order in terms of of targets this season. I know Shakur's played well. They've got two great tight ends there that have been a bit of a, a safety valve for Josh over the middle. Yeah, Diggs just hasn't been himself, and I was expecting him to turn up. If I was honest, I think big games. Stefan Diggs turns up for big games, and he didn't. He didn't turn up at the weekend, and he did drop that crucial pass. I still don't think that's the only reason they lost the game. Personally, I think the reason they lost the game is because the Chiefs' defense is absolutely on fire and Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. It's very difficult to beat that team home or away in those circumstances, especially when your secondary is decimated like the Bills was. But a great game to watch. A real advert for the NFL to two two super teams really, you know, going at each other. A really good game to watch. And uh, like I say, it was nice to... it was. It was nice to, to to not be the only person that Lauren was miserable about in my house for the past couple of days. She's more miserable about the team losing than me. But uh, yeah, it, it was a good spectacle for the divisional round of the playoffs. Obviously, you've got the link up between uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey breaking Bronx and uh, 
Tom Brady's record of the most reception, uh, most touchdown receptions between a quarterback and receiver in postseason history, which is now 16. I mean, how long can these guys carry on going going at it? I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. There was vicious rumours of uh, of the other Kelsey retiring at the same time as his brother, but thankfully they've not been founded because uh, it'd be a shame to miss to miss uh, Travis out of the game. It'd be the same to, to, to miss Taylor Swift in the stands every week as well. But uh, yeah, the, the play that you're talking about looked very Brady and Gronk-esque, you know, peeling off to the side, float ball over the top, caught in the end zone, and then a big spike. They did do the big spike celebration. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not replaying Gronk in my head, am I? Ball that broke the record and he threw it into the crowd. He did throw the ball in the crowd. So yeah, I do. Yeah. Out there has got a, a quite a souvenir. Yeah, that's uh, that's something nice to have in the collection. Uh, James, did you catch the game? I did, and I have to say he wasn't the Kelsey with the best celebration in the stadium that night. Obviously, having Jason rocketing down the stands, shirtless, in the hat. Obviously, seeing the text as well from his wife the next day saying that his daughter exclaimed, look, you can see dad's boobs on the, on the TV, was certainly something to not miss about the game but again going back to the Diggs point um you mentioned he's not really turned up this season obviously 160 targets 107 receptions only eight touchdowns it's interesting to note that as a Vikings perspective Addison had more touchdowns than Diggs did in the season that's a wide receiver you'd look at a true dedicated number one so I don't know what's going off with him in that regard I mean even in the postseason just 10 receptions off 17 targets it doesn't read well for a player on that kind of money and it hurts to say because when it comes to these playoffs games I'm always the Vikings aren't there I'm always on former Vikings watch and it was really hurtful to see Diggs just not be the Diggs that we know totally agree absolutely and totally agree yeah and he's coming up to in football terms the wrong side of 30 and the wrong side of 25 million dollars a season so how long he's got left at that elite level to prove that he can he's worthy of a ring is is not long in my book but uh reese what was your take on the game yeah for me I, it was one of those ones it felt so ironic watching the game when they were lining up for that kick when tyler bass was lining up for that kick and the commentator was harking on about how Sean McDermott had put all his faith in Tyler Bass and said, if we need him to make a crucial kick for us, we have all faith in the world that he'll do it. Lines up. And it looked good for, I'd say, 80% of the way. And all of a sudden just shoots off to the right. I'm like, uh, is that the commentator's curse as we've ever seen it in its most powerful form? But the real, for me, the real difference was the Chiefs running game, particularly Isaiah Pacheco. Where James Cook, whilst we sung his praises, didn't exactly get up to speed with only you know, 61 yards off of 18 carries. Pacheco went for 97 off of 15 and a touchdown. And that touchdown, I mean, he could have had four tacklers try and bring him down. He was They were all bouncing off him. And then the clutch run at the end of the game to, uh, to seal it. Absolute standout performance. And going forward, Mahomes probably will have some, some better weather in Baltimore, but you, you can never discredit the run game on the road. Yeah, a bit of a sore point in the run game because we were sadly lacking in it all season. But uh, yeah, the whole game was great. One thing I've got to mention is, uh, and obviously James, you touched on it, the bear, Kelsey, hanging out of the window, uh, shirtless, was impressive in itself. 
taking you know selfies with the fans also impressive cheering on his brother and downing beers also impressive but the most impressive thing i saw all night did you see him leapfrog back into the window of a man of his size and and uh, and stature leapfrog back into the window from the seating platform do you know what i could watch it on replay all day that was uh an, an incredible bit of athleticism I, I honestly thought you were going to go on about his tailgating before the game and doing shots outside uh, we can all do I don't, that mate. well I don't, <laughs> we've all done that but i don't know if we all would have done our shirt off like he did yeah he's a he's a different animal here at the end of the day he's a different breed but anyway, that's uh, that's enough of the Bills Chiefs. Unfortunately, ended in the same old story. The Chiefs going through to the next round. They are going to play Baltimore, and we're going to look forward to that game. But uh, there was another game in our house that we were interested in, which was the the Buccaneers game, which uh, I think we all had a slight vested interest in because obviously they were playing the Lions, and we don't want the Lions to get anywhere near the Super Bowl. For me, it was probably the most special game of the weekend my little girl is nine years old and uh she picked the tampa bay buccaneers after i refused to bestow a life of misery on her by asking her to put support the vikings a few years ago she picked the buccaneers uh two weeks before brady signed the rest is history won a super bowl in her first supporting season which i'm always going to be sore about but season to season it has been a bit oh yeah the buccaneers are playing that's great just tell me if we won on sunday it was a totally different story from kickoff all the way up until I had to tell her to go to bed at half time. Um, it was one of the most magical moments in my life because she sat down and we watched and learned the game together. And that's uh, something I'll, I'll never forget. But unfortunately the fairy tale did not come to fruition at the end. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Reese, you called it out last week doing Baker Mayfield things, which I don't, th- I'm going to say it again. I don't think the Lions are that good. I, I watched them and they did the fundamentals right. They've got a good running game, but it really, really relied on two mistakes from a quarterback who makes mistakes to win that game. Yeah, I said Baker hasn't done something Bakerish for quite a while. And yeah, Baker went and done a Baker. I feel bad saying that because he's been you know, good this season. He plucked us apart in the second half of the opener at you know, way back in September, but it was, it just felt like it was impending. The one thing I didn't get was, I'm not sure if you saw this, at the very end of the game, the Lions took their knee on third down early with one timeout still on the clock. The Buccaneers could have stopped the clock and got the ball back with 30 seconds left and no timeouts. And the fact they didn't even try was bizarre to me. I, I can't believe no one picked up on that. Um, but yeah, Baker, Baker gun, got a Baker, I guess. Got to be a coaching error. I mean, we spotted it. You spotted it. Everyone else spotted it. It's been on, on, on X all weekend since. It's, uh, yeah, just a big mistake, really. You've got to fight till the end. And I'd be crushingly disappointed if we were at that stage of the game and we missed something like that. But uh, John, what did you make of that mistake? Yes, it was a crucial mistake. But I think the Lions had it under control all game, really. So I don't think I don't think the Buccaneers were making a comeback in that game. That that from the beginning the Lions Dan Campbell and the Lions really had them at arm's length. It may have been close at half time, but I would love to be I would love to be in there for a half time speech, just listening to Dan Campbell when it's a draw or something like that at home, because it's something I he could really pump a team up. 
But uh, yeah, the Lions have been brilliant this season, although we hate to admit it. I know someone still thinks they're frauds, no matter what, no matter how far they get. They could, they could get to the Super Bowl and win it, and Rich would still claim they're frauds. Now, that is, I think that's a big accusation, John. All I'm saying is, if you look at the NFL teams that have got to this stage of the season, the Lions have not inspired, apart from Dan Campbell, because I think he is inspiring. But in terms of their play, I think they've just done the fundamentals very well. And in a lot of games that I've seen them play, I don't think they've won the game. I think the opposition have lost the game. But that's just my opinion. What do I know? I'm just sat in, me, uh, sat in me a little office talking about the Vikings. James, I know we always talk about divisional games as being really big things and divisional rivals. What's your take on the Lions? I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree with Richard here. I think the team itself is just solid all around. And that's what takes you far in the NFL. It's not being fantastic at one thing. We've seen teams that are fantastic at one thing typically get dumped out in what's dubbed as heartbreaking fashion in divisional and AFC NFC championship games. In this situation that they're in, they are just, I don't see a necessary weak link to the Lions game plan. And I think that's what teams have to overcome. They have to overcome a team that is consistent. And that's worrying in the NFL because you almost look that they don't necessarily have an off day. And how do you combat against that? I saw him have an off day against the Bears. Don't you tell me that they can't have an off day. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll give you that one. But it, again, one off day all season. Realistically. There was an off day against the Packers as well. They like to take the ball and take a lead with them. I haven't really seen much of them this season having to fight from behind. And I think that's where they've come stuck. They were poor against the Bears and they were behind. They were poor against the Packers and they were behind for a lot of that game on Thanksgiving. What, for me, sums up what I'm saying right now is when I looked at them against the Vikings, they had big leads against Nick Mullins you know they had they had him at arm's length but at the same time they were giving up 400 yard passing games sure there were four interceptions but I don't think Nick Mullins knew which team he was throwing to half the time in in one of those games they look susceptible to a chunk play and if they fall behind I don't know if the mentality of the defense is there to pull them back into the game because I have all the faith in the Lions offense to claw and keep fighting but the Lions' defense, I just think they're too aggressive to almost go into a bit of a damage limitation mode to steady the ship before pushing on and re, you know, regaining a foothold in the game. And I think that's where the Lions can come unstuck. Are they a bit damage limitation or are they a bit damage ligaments? I don't know if everyone saw the uh, the, the poster in the crowd from a well, I'm going I'm going to say it, a classless. Lions fan at the weekend, almost praising the fact that uh, is it Ramsey? It makes me sick to remember to to even say his name after he uh, destroyed two ligaments in the two previous games against us and the and the Rams. I think that's gone. That's part of my disbelief in how good they are this season. Is I don't want to. I don't want to believe that they're any good because they feel like a Philly light. Um, which is a slur I wouldn't like to have on our team. But uh, but anyway, they are through to the next round. One of the other games that I did was paying keen attention to this weekend was to see how fast CJ Stroud could take the Texans. Reese, I believe you watched that game. What was your take? Well, we just uh, spoke again a game that was close at the half. 
And on the scoreline or on the scoreboard, this one was also close at the half, tied at 10 each at the break. The Texans really struggled. The Ravens took their time to get going, but the Texans struggled. Their, their one touchdown coming on a punt return, a very good punt return, I'll, I must say. But you know, when the second half came out, the Texans, they couldn't move the ball. The Ravens defense, which we have said has been stifling all season, was exactly what we built it up to be. And it wasn't close. It was a blowout. It was one of those ones where Lamar looked like he could run, he could throw, throw the ball, he could do whatever he wanted. And the Texans, you know, they couldn't get a foothold, they couldn't get going. And it was, yeah, say a, a whitewash. It was, it wasn't a whitewash in the sense that the Texans did put some points on the ball, but they put up as little offensively as they possibly could. The one thing that did stand out for me, though, was that people were saying Dalvin Cook can't run the ball anymore. He's been in the team two weeks. He's learning a new playbook. And he did break a very nice outside zone running play, which we know is his strength. They didn't do much of that in New York. And uh, it's also the strength of our running backs at the Vikings, you know, outside zone. What Madison has excelled with in the past. And there was not enough of that this season. And I will say this now. Please bring in a run game coordinator in the offseason because we need one. Do you know what? I always thought Cook still had it and it was it was great to see that that uh, at that outside zone. But I just I love to see him run the ball. He's just a great running back in motion. And uh, the whole game really was very David versus Goliath. But unfortunately, Goliath just kept punching David right in the face. It was it was not even close. The the punt return was nice to see. I think Singletary. Is it, are we showing that the Bills just didn't use him properly when he was at the Bills? Because he had a really good, he's had a good season, but he had a good game at running back. Uh, well, not but, this time. Nine carries, 22 yards. Well, after, maybe I'm remembering a different game. He just... He's had, a good, he's had a good season, but this game he went full Vikings running back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a shame, really. But like I say, it just felt like you were trying to beat your big brother up in a fight and he was just as and when he wanted to slap you back, he could do. And the uh, the Ravens look like a real contender. And when I, you know, disparage the Lions, saying that they haven't been great this season and they've got to this stage of the blah, 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 it's teams like the Ravens that I want to see at this stage of the season in the Super Bowl, at this stage of the season in the playoffs, because they look like a great team. Lamar is an enigma because um, we've seen him be great and then we've seen him be a bit injured. and then. Almost like last season and previous seasons, compared to this season, it looks like Baltimore have found a way to use his legs that doesn't look like he's had to use his legs. He's, he's managed to break pockets and he's managed to make plays, not because he's had to, but because he can. And uh, I think that's really great to see. Again, I'm a big Odell Beckham fanboy. Uh, I think he slots into a lot of teams and plays very well. And he's starting to do that and has done that with the, the Ravens this season. They might pick for the Super Bowl. I'd love to see him go all the way and do it. I'd love to see Dalvin get a ring. James, did you manage to catch the game? I did. And it's, it, the points have all been hit. I mean, the Texans after halftime just didn't look the same team that we've seen for most of the season from them. I, they, they're not necessarily as consistent as other teams that have reached the playoffs, but they have something about it. I mean, CJ Stroud just looks absolutely phenomenal. I mean, Huey Love last season bit the bullet, took the win in the final game, and the Texans have ended up better for it instead of getting the number one overall. So 
the 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 thing is they've got the QB now to build around and they might have one of the oldest teams in the NFL but it's promising when your QB is only 22 and can look that good for most of the season and the rest of the season will come with time it's no QB is ever perfect out of the gate and the promise he's shown is going to excite a lot of Texans fans. And no doubt, us talking about a rookie QB looking phenomenal has got Vikings fans salivating at the lips with the 11th overall pick, which is more of a QB's no-man's land this season. So we'll have to wait and see in that regard. But yeah, the Texans fully deserve to lose that game after halftime. The Ravens just showed the extra class. And I would agree with you, Richard. They're my pick for the Super Bowl if they can overcome the Chiefs. I don't think anything in the NFC can really stop them especially with Lamar using his legs how he is. Yeah, they've been great to watch all season. Uh, I think they they deserve it, but it's not always the deserved team that, that takes the prize, unfortunately. But, uh, John, what was your take on the game? Yeah, it, it was a great game. Lamar's had an MVP season. Can I remind everyone that 31 other teams had a chance to sign Lamar Jackson during the off-season because there was a contract dispute. Everyone turned him down. He was blackballed by absolutely everyone. The Ravens there were trying to save a bit of money. They said, go out there, see who else wants you. Tell you what, everyone, are you regretting that now? Are the people out there with average QBs regretting not signing an MVP? to What will be a two-time MVP QB now? He's dragged this team up, up to the Super Bowl. That defense has been, been absolutely amazing all year. It was draw- they were drawing at halftime in this game, but I think that was that was uh, the Ravens knocking off a bit of rust from a, the belt bye week. I think they ha- always had them under control. Do you know what? Really, really good point. I remember having a couple of conversations about Lamar Jackson in the offseason, thinking should the the Vikings be looking that, down that sort of line? I know, I mean, the, the who plays quarterback for the Vikings conversation comes up almost daily, but uh, especially during last off season and uh, Trey Lance was available and, uh, you know, Rogers was moving franchises and there was a little bit of movement in the quarterback section of the game. We had a couple of new rookies coming in and, you know, Trevor Lawrence, we all thought was just going to push on and Lamar Jackson was just hanging there like low hanging fruit as an MVP quarterback. And no one reached up and picked him out. It was just, an odd situation. I think we all know why, because we just thought that his knees weren't going to last a full 17-game season. We just assumed that he was just going to continue to run the ball into trouble and get injured again. It just hasn't been the case this season. I think Baltimore, like I say, have have really worked out how to allow Lamar to run the ball without looking like Lamar has to run the ball. And in those situations where he's running the ball where he doesn't have to, it means he doesn't get injured. He doesn't get absolutely clattered it's uh it's been a joy to watch and argument for very accurate pocket pass quarterbacks versus mobile quarterbacks there's you know there's an interesting conversation to have there but i still do think that a lot of things have to work a lot of things have to line up for you to be a great team in the nfl and uh there's more than one way to skin a cat this this year though baltimore has skinned a, a pretty big cat by by managing to get all of their all of their uh, elements of the game working pretty well but uh, I digress the the NFC had one last game of this divisional round and it was a sweet one an absolute sweet one James did you watch the game oh 100% I mean it, 
the the best thing is the Vikings fan, other than seeing your team win, is seeing the Packers lose. And I was not going to miss the opportunity to see them come against what I think this season is the best team in the NFC. I mean, the seedings proved that uh, coming out of the playoffs. And it was a bit touch and go for the 49ers. I mean, obviously down at halftime by three, down going into the fourth by a grand total before the game. Uh, Kyle Shanahan was 0-30 when he was losing by 10 in the fourth quarter, 3-41, and 41, uh, 2-41 and 41 when he was losing by five. He's now 1-30 and 3-41 by those totals after this game. I think... Purdy showed he's got that clutch factor about him. He didn't necessarily have the best game going 23-39 and a touchdown. Rather importantly, there was no interception in that. And he went 6-7-47 yards down on, on the final drive. That's the kind of caliber you need in the quarterback. It, he's not necessarily a game manager because he's got that little bit of step above that. And I've seen some people online, because again, going online is the best place to get all year NFL tips and tricks saying he's a game manager. I can't help but say, no, he's got a clutch factor. Uh, the game did also feature a former Viking alert, if anyone picked up on it. So Kessie and Nixon fumbled on a 70-yard return. Eric Wilson, former linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings, recovered the fumble. And it was his only contribution for the entire game. He had no tackles, nothing. It was just a fumble recovery. So there's your former Viking alert for this game. On that note, the special team returning for the Green Bay does look special. 92 yards on two attempts from the all-pro Nixon. But maybe their kicking is becoming a bit of an issue. I mean, Carson, it would, it was... It was bad weather conditions. The rain didn't help either team. He went two for three and his longest was 29 yards. He's not, for what I've seen, had the greatest season. And considering that they've come from such consistency with Crosby in the past, it's interesting to see that that's now an area that Green Bay struggled in. And now Green Bay also have an unwanted record because they're the first team in 20 years to go to the red zone in the first three drives of a playoff game and not score a touchdown. Well, that's a record that I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was a good game. Uh, I think uh, I've got maybe a slightly different take than you, James. I think Brock Purdy works well when it works well. The 49ers just have a cheat code for football in Christian McCaffrey. The man is a monster. Even though he's small in stature, the, the guy for me is the best player in the NFL. He just does his job extremely well. And if... Purdy happens to have an off day, like I believe he did against Green Bay. It doesn't really matter because when you can hand the ball off to that guy, the world's your oyster. The guy is just phenomenal at football. So uh, it was nice to see him run through the Packers. I'm going to mention it again because I think I have to. Jordan Love is good. When he does that, that step back and that drop back and and still man, I just it's, it's sickening, absolutely sickening because he looks good when he does it. And I think there's an opportunity for Green Bay to make that click again, which would be really, really unfortunate for everyone else in the game. I think it's unfair to be able to just unearth quarterbacks at will out of a cauldron. It's just unfair. But uh, yeah, he did He did look good. John, what do you think of the Green Bay game? Happy that they're out? Always happy that the Green Bay Packers are out. I can't stand them having another future Hall of Famer QB. Their fans are already declaring Jordan Love a future Hall of Famer QB. Whilst out in Minnesota, we did run into a couple of their fans at the Wisconsin game, and they were proclaiming that uh, Love is a future Hall of Famer already. They've seen so much of him already. But yes, it's always good to see the 
Packers go out to the well, the 49ers, as they always do. They've got their number, always have done and always will do. It's just like the Chiefs and the Bills. The Chiefs just have their number and the 49ers just have the Packers number. But as you say, the, the 49ers do have a cheat code out there. How, how they built this team up to be so good and so dominant. I don't know how they've not got to war Super Bowls with this team. It's quite beyond me, but uh, yeah. I don't see anything but a Ravens 49ers Super Bowl, and that, that has, they have been the two best teams throughout this season. Yeah, speaking of those off- offensive weapons, when when Game Pass was running the teams through at the start and they show those offensive weapons, when you're looking at McCaffrey, and then you're looking at Debo, and then you're looking at Ayuk, and then you're looking at Kittle, and you just think, that's unfair. It's just unfair on the rest of us. How are we supposed to beat that? Uh, it's uh, it, it, it's obviously good for football because they're an exceptionally good team. But uh, Reese, the usual oracle on the show has maybe struck again because I remember week two podcast that you were saying that love isn't it. You were so, so definitive in saying it as well. Loving it. I'm not having it. And then what does he do at the weekend? He throws an interception across body, across across the the field of play in the last play of the game. Reese, were you smiling here to ear? Uh, if only the listeners could see how smug I look right now. I told you, didn't I tell you, didn't I tell you what was going to happen and what happened exactly what I said was going to happen. Jordan Love is a good quarterback in the sense that he backs up away from pressure if you send pressure and can get the ball off. But if you rush three or four, standard base packages and give him time he will make a mistake because if it's covered up he panics we've saw him you know two plays in this game first interception nothing's open nothing's open oh it's starting to close the pocket's starting to close he hasn't done his backup thing overthrows his man tipped intercepted by Greenlaw who needs to learn to go down when he picks the passes by the way Second interception, he went full five. It was beautiful. All the abuse Vikings fans have had over the years from the Packers for that five interception against the Saints, he just went and did a carbon copy of it. It was beautiful. But once again, base package, standard pressure, nothing open, scrambling out the pocket. What's he do? He's got 50 seconds, two timeouts. He can run for a first down or try and get out of bounds. He can chuck the ball away. No, he panics. He launches it into triple coverage across the body, on the run, underthrown, picked off. Bellissimo. Fantastic. It was everything that I said was coming, and I stand by it. If you pressure him, he's good. If you make him think, if you make him have to beat you with his arm, Jared Goff's a much better quarterback. You know, I, I don't know if it's worth them going out for you being that smug i'm going to take it because just seeing the green bay packers out of the playoffs you know i'll let you have that moment in the spotlight reese as unfortunately you've had a few four few, this week a, well yeah a fair <laughs> few weeks in a bloody row. Games. <laughs> so uh so yeah it's uh we're gonna to have to ask you for the lottery numbers this week because you uh you seem to be picking them but uh but yeah that's our divisional round round up just before, just before I go off, obviously you mentioned about love being from this cauldron of the Green Bay cute spewing pot. I think going back to that second interception, as Vikings fans, we probably saw a bit of a flashback memory to 2009. That's exactly what I was saying. It was he's, a carbon copy. 
he, of that he suddenly got the Brett Favre gene of just hooking it across his body. And so someone mentioned it to me this week, and I thought, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. And then I looked at a comparison of the plays side by side, and I kid you not, he moves exactly like Favre in the drop back. It's just, it's so interesting to see that once again, they they do have a good talent there. But they've also got a talent that could probably throw four picks of the game and cost them the NFC Championship if they wanted to. Are you trying to say they got the ingredients wrong? Are you trying to say that it was I have new legs of Rogers and then just too much arm of Favre? Is that what you're maybe, saying? Maybe they just brewed this one up slightly wrong for this game because I'm convinced Jordan Love doesn't actually exist. He just gets respawned every single game day. <laughs> That's an interesting take. That's a very interesting take. Well, that's it for game reviews, and we're going to move on because we're going to talk about everyone's favourite topic, Mr. Kirk Cousins. So, moving on, Kirk O'Chains. It seems to be the, the most controversial man on everyone, Vikings fans' lips. Mr. Kirk O'Chains, he is recovering from uh, a fairly serious injury. Uh, hopefully, he recovers fully. But, uh, Reese, you've been following him on social media this week. What's he been saying? Well, he's uh, he's let open a home truth, shall we say. Uh, he's been on Twitter and said, shall we say X rather, since the injury, been watching a different Disney movie each Friday night with our boys. Ratatouille and the Emperor's New Groove are my faves so far. Phenomenal and underrated. What do we watch next? So, of course, this leads to the only natural question. What is everyone's favourite Disney movie that Kirk Cousins should watch next? Well, as host, I'm going to go first because this combines three of my favourite things, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins and Disney. I remember my old man taking the family to Disney World when I was younger and there was a release film that year that we went and it is the greatest film of all time. Potentially the greatest film, definitely the best Disney film of all time. Nothing beats The Lion King. It is the best film of all time. The dynamics of the story, the comeback kid, the characters in it, Rowan Atkinson, you can't beat it. On my book, you can't beat it at all. So that's my pick for Disney movies. Uh, and like I say, that's uh, that's something that we watch occasionally on a Friday night or movie night in our house. But that's just my opinion. James, as guest on the show, I'm going to go to you next. Come on, favourite Disney film? Well, first of all, can I say Star Wars because they got bought out? <laughs> it does have a princess. I'm just saying. Um, no, if I have to choose a Disney original, then th- there's only one option for me. It symbolizes the meaning of family. It c- symbolizes the meaning of togetherness, how through thick and thin you stand by one another and somehow manage to beat aliens out of your house. Uh, Lilo and Stitch is a classic, classic family film. I loved all three they did, because they did Stitch the movie, they did Lilo and Stitch, we did Lilo and Stitch 2. I also enjoyed Leroy and Stitch, the long-forgotten fourth film. And the TV show was on every time that I saw it on Disney XD as a kid. It was just, it's so heartwarming. And yeah, you cannot beat the Hawaiian vibes anytime. Do you know what? Lilo and Stitch, I've almost had enough of it. It feels like when you walk into my daughter's room, Lilo and Stitch threw up in her room it is absolutely plastered on everything it's definitely her favorite disney character but uh john 
Come on, give us your favourite Disney film. I'm sure you uh, sit there and watch Disney non-stop, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, James going with the Hawaiian vibes there. I'm going to go with something very not Hawaiian, and I'm going to go Cool Runnings. It's one of my favourite Disney films of all time. I absolutely loved it as a kid. I still watch it whenever I can. It's it's just one of the greatest films of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Always makes me smile. Do you know what? I can't disagree. I can't disagree. In fact, it's making me want to watch it. I recently watched uh, rewatched Back to the Future, and uh, I've been educating the kids on old films. And uh, I think Cool Running must be next on Friday night movie night. Reese, we're coming back to you. Come on, what's your favourite Disney film? I feel it's quite apt with Kirk Cousins' recent comments about money. And I like to think that this is saying that Kirk Cousins would say to the Vikings that if he were a rich man with a million or two, he'd live in a penthouse in a room with a view. But we all know he should say to the Vikings that I would be nothing if I didn't have you. And I hope he comes back because Monsters Inc. is my favourite Disney movie of all time. And I would, you know, I'd say to Kirk Cousins, watch that and learn that, you know, there's some things you've always got to come back to. And Randall makes an appearance in that one as well. So there's always a Vikings connection, <laughs> which uh, which we like. Yeah, you know, four really good films there. Uh, but we are going to come back the most underrated and the most phenomenal player of the season no one who is a regular listener of the show is going to be surprised by anything that i say next ivan pace jr is probably both of those players because not only did he not get the plaudits that he deserved in the first half of the season he has also been phenomenal pretty much since he stuck a vikings jersey on so i'm going to go ivan pace jr for both my phenomenal and underrated players of the season. John, come on, late on us. Underrated and phenomenal. Underrated, I think you're going to go, I'm going to go with Dalton Reisner. He's abs- played absolutely amazing since he came to us. He was, he's, he didn't allow any any pressures since he, since he arrived at us and completely and utterly underrated by absolutely everyone in the league. And I hope we do sign him up and get, get it all sorted up. And uh, with the other one, I'm going to go uh, JJ, over a thousand yards and didn't even play half the season. Yeah, it makes it look easy, doesn't he? Which is uh, good for us because he's going to be here a while, hopefully. So, uh, so yeah, James, come on then. Who's your most underrated and who's your most phenomenal? I mean, John's already touched on the phenomenal. I think JJ just deserves that plaudit for playing half a season, thousand yards over. And he's just looked phenomenal when he's ever played for the team, pulled on that jersey. You just beam with pride when you see him on that football field. And underrated, I think, again, I'm choosing two players that were out for the season and one came back and this one didn't. You've got to say, Kirk Cousins, the, the, what we were missing when he's gone. Yes, we had the Dobstranaut come in and win his first couple of games. But outside of that, that which that little pocket of resurgence, there was nothing that could have been done better without Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins coming back into that probably makes this a completely different talk and we're probably talking about us in the playoffs maybe going out in this round if he's fit because he's just took us to that another level and I know some fans disagree with us saying that but him being in that team just made everything more sense and the money is on I know that gets barked at a lot the 
fact is, you look at the market nowadays, when we signed that contract, yes, it was astronomical. Sign it today, no one bats an eyelid because that's the QB money. We were ahead of the market. So I have to say Kirk Cousins just for what we've missed this season when he's gone. Do you know what? Can't disagree. It's been a bit of a roller coaster since he left the team, unfortunately. I hope we see him back next season. We are going to have to one day get an anti-Kirk on the show. Uh, we'll unearth him from the depths of X and Twitter and Facebook, and uh, we'll get him on the show to argue their case. But, uh, Reese, I feel like you are going to mention a defensive player. For some reason, I feel like you're going to mention a defensive player in phenomenal and underrated players of the season. I'm going to surprise you, Rich. I am going to go defensive on phenomenal and I'm also probably going to surprise you a lot with the underrated, but that's why I feel he is underrated. I'll start phenomenal. Super Josh Metellus. The man did everything. He probably delivered our absolute high point of the season, um, both in watching the Vikings in person and the Vikings season peaked when Kirk Cousins threw the touchdown and two or three plays later, You've got a pick from Josh Metellus and then another Kirk Cousins touchdown. That's when we peaked. But Josh Metellus did absolutely everything this season. Defensive line, he did it. Linebacker, he did it. Defensive back, he did it. Nickel, safety. The man was phenomenal. And then also that hit to force the fumble whilst we were out at the bank. I will never be able to unsee that. That ball went flying and he just crunched him. It was phenomenal. Um, but underrated, whilst there was a lot of talk of, you know, Dobbs came in and won us games and, uh, you know, Hall looked good when Kirk came in. It's very hard to look good when you're also missing the best receiver in football and Andrew Rookie sensations hit a bit of a stumbling block with the QB carousel. One man who stepped up, and I don't think any of us would have expected to have stepped up, was Powell. KJ was struggling, but Powell was a steady set of hands and when Dobbs came in there was that immediate link up that was there and he gave us I think more positives this season than we would have had um just playing the way he did and yeah Powell is my underrated player of the season do you know what that's a really good point and whilst the Vikings probably are going to be looking for a wide receiver three going into the next season we've got a few options does KJ come back do we could bring back Powell? I think Naylor's still going to be on the team. Keep me honest, Reese. One more year on the contract, but he has gone to IR again. Yeah, I think it, it does feel like the, the the easy decision just to give Powell a call and say, look, do you want to run it back? Because uh, when he was called upon, he was great. Uh, I think it's almost criminal not to mention Hunter in this section because he was phenomenal. So I'm going to slightly backtrack uh, on, on my unrivaled love for Ivan Pace Jr. I'll, I'll stick him as my underrated player of the season because uh, I, I don't think he got the media plaudits that he deserves. And I don't think that he's going to be included in many people's defensive rookie of the year conversation, which is uh, not, not not acceptable for me. But yeah, Hunter was on another level, only, only outpaced by Mr. Watts, I think, in terms of sacks this season. Uh, yeah, just what a, what a, what a great player, potentially playing for a big contract, which is going to be a totally different conversation in the offseason. But uh, but yeah, it'd be criminal not to mention him. I do think Hunter is a victim of his own success. I know he's had a career year in pretty much every single metric you measure for, for a defensive end or a linebacker, outside linebacker in his case. Um, but we've come to expect out of him. 
And he, when we, he was racking up the sacks before 25 years old, he was on pace to break the record. I think he did break the record in the end, or at least tied it for most sacks before 25. We just came to expect this level of play from it, and that's why I think he's not getting applauded. It's because he, it's just another season for him. It is just another season. And I'll come in on the Ivan Pace thing. Uh, PFF all-rookie team, he made that along with John's best mate, Bakai Blackman. And also, 70, I think it was 75.9 pass rating allowed in coverage, which is the highest amongst all interior linebackers. The guy, highest, I mean lowest, you know, the best. The guy Number is one. a phenomenon. I will not have anything bad said about him for an un, undrafted rookie for where he's got to and the, the performances and the numbers. And man, I just think he's, uh, he's put it this way, going into the next season, I uh, will be looking for a new jersey. The only reason I haven't bought myself a Pace jersey yet is because I think when Davenport leaves this team, uh, he might revert back to his zero uh, jersey number so uh, I'd have had to cross the four out which uh, would have made it look a bit messy but uh, yeah I think he's a, he's a great player uh, and, and he's been phenomenal jo- uh, James you're absolutely right Hunter's just Hunter and he's going to need he's going to need a few quid to come back and play on our team uh, we're probably going to need him or at least need someone to replace his, his productivity which is going to be very difficult to find uh, in a market that is expensive and uh, we haven't got a huge amount of draft picks in the top 100. So Kwesi's going to have to work a bit of magic. Can we get both of them back? Can we get Kirk back? Can we get Hunter back to play with us next season? That's uh, it's going to be an interesting question for the offseason, which I'm sure we'll cover on future shows. But uh, yeah, everyone's had a really valid point. I love Kirk. I think uh, he can call him underrated. He was having on track to have a, a, a an MVP season, which... Um, We've sort of said before sometimes with Cousins because he's very accurate and he throws the ball well. And when you're throwing it to the best wide receiver in football, you're going to make some numbers. But this year felt a bit different. And that's why it was especially painful when he went down. But anyway, that's uh, that's our Kirk segment out the way. Like I say, we will find um, someone for future shows who has uh, a difference of opinion on Kirk Cousins, so we say. So uh, we'll, we'll find one of those to come on the show. But but we're going to wrap the show up by looking at next weekend's game, something that I'm sure we're all looking forward to, which is going to be the championship, uh, championship conference games. I don't know who's going to win either of those. Does it does it end up a good Super Bowl no matter who wins? Let's uh, Let's find out. So here we are. One game away from the Super Bowl, there's been some uh, interesting play. There's been some great play. Like I say, I, I've not seen too many mistakes in games so far, which has been uh, pleasantly surprising. I think uh, it's 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 been some really good fundamentals football has been played, which uh, you haven't been able to say some over the over the season. But uh, the Ravens, the Juggernauts, are welcoming the Chiefs to Baltimore this weekend, which I, I can't take another season of the Chiefs making the Super Bowl, when they've, especially when they've been under par this season. For me, the Ravens have just hit form and hit song just at the right time. They've added Cook to their running game, which we saw uh, a very small glimpse at the weekend of what he can do. And I think that was just a, a, a an intro into getting him in, into feels of the the Ravens offense. And I think he's going to just uh, uh, take take the mantle and, and be better in the next game. So I think this is going to be 
not a formality because you can't say that about the Chiefs. They are a good team and they've got a good defence and they've got some weapons on offence. But when you are really relying on Rashid Rice as your almost wide receiver one, I don't think you go into Baltimore and win that game. Uh, I think if you wrap up and double coverage Travis Kelsey and don't allow Patrick Mahomes to do some of the things that he can do, which is no mean feat because he's Patrick Mahomes, but get Lamar running the ball, get that home crowd behind you. You can make it toxic for a a visiting team. And I know the Bills tried to do that against the Chiefs and uh, they still managed to weather the storm and they still managed to get through it. But uh, yeah, my pick, my pick for the first game uh, is definitely Baltimore. I want to see those guys in the final and I want to see Dalvin get a ring. But James, what's your take on the on the Chiefs Ravens game? Who've you got? I mean, obviously the Chiefs and Ravens played an all time classic uh, not too long ago, the 38 36 Ravens win. And I don't see a different outcome. I think, as phenomenal as both teams are, I think the Ravens in Baltimore are just a different animal. And. They proved it by getting the number one seed, which is typically the Chiefs' spot. We're so used to seeing them playing every single playoff game at home. That seeing them on the road is going to be such a weird, almost like Twilight Zone-esque episode of the NFL. Um, so the script writers have definitely given us a good one there. Uh, but no, Lamar's legs will probably just carry him to the victory. I, it, I, it just seems so foregone that. I almost want to put it in as a lock, but I don't want to jinx it because I want to see some purple in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you can't you can't do it. You can't stick it in as a lock because the Chiefs do have the best quarterback in football. So you never know what's gonna happen. Reese, was your pick? Well, when we discussed the playoffs in the ahead of the wildcard round, I said that the Ravens were my team to win the whole thing. And I stand by that. I do feel like the Ravens are gonna win this one. Lamar's legs are a huge factor. The fact that they've got a running game that can be split so equally between, you you look at the last game, I think Lamar had 11 carries. Their two running backs below Lamar had 10 carries each, and neither of them went below four yards a carry, which, you know, is the right thing to do. If you can average four yards on every play, you will win football games because you are getting first down after first down after first down. The Chiefs are coming off an emotional roller coaster. We know that they are mentally better prepared than the Vikings are historically. And we've also seen, though, that when the Vikings come off an emotional roller coaster, they often fail to sharp the next week. And I wouldn't be surprised if, despite the classics that we've had between Lamar and, and Mahomes, this might not be as close a run of affair. Oh, interesting from the Oracle. Come on, Oracle, keep it running. Who's going to win between the, between the 49ers and the Lions? So, no team has ever lost to Kirk Cousins and made the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy and the 49ers lost to Kirk Cousins. And that's not my reason for saying they won't make the Super Bowl. Um, but I I feel like the Lions are going to win this game. The playoff performance of Jared Goff has been nothing short of phenomenal. In the postseason, Jared Goff has completed nearly 75% of his passes. He has looked electric. He's going, you know, 
three touchdowns without an interception. He has just, say, Jared Goff has been fantastic. If they can get ahead of the 49ers, I feel like that's it. They will start with a lead and they will just defend the lead and they will just do what they can to keep the 49ers at arm's length. Brock Purdy hasn't, I don't know, he's like the fifth highest quarterback or whatever you, and how you say the stats in the regular season. But he has these shaky moments and every time the Lions have come up against a average quarterback this season or a quarterback who's playing average, they've won. They, of course, had the slip up against the Bears, but you know it was probably Justin Fields' best ever game. Jordan Love, I've said my piece on him, but Thanksgiving night, he played well. Or the running game was phenomenal. You know, if you have a team like the Lions playing against a quarterback who's, you know, looks shaky, looks average, if it's raining in Santa Clara again, I don't fancy Brock Purdy. And that's why there feels like there's too many factors to say the Lions are going to win this game. And it breaks my heart. It feels like you try to convince me and you won't because I've seen the Lions beat a very scrappy Rams team in the first game and nearly lost. I've seen the Lions play a very scrappy Buccaneers game in the second game and nearly lost. If you think that they're going to go to San Francisco against Christian McCaffrey, and let's face it, it doesn't need to be anyone else but Christian McCaffrey and get a win. I think you're deluded. You've just said it, Rich. If they are scrappy. Brock Purdy could go scrappy. And I'm sorry, when you're biting kneecaps, that's kind of scrappy to me. Uh, I refuse to believe it. I don't want to believe it. I won't believe it. James, come on, back me up. What have you got? Well, I'm throwing the gauntlet down to the Oracle of this podcast. And he has his stat of no one who's lost to Kirk Cousins has ever made the Super Bowl. My stat is that the San Francisco 49ers are 5-0 and in playoff games at Levi Stadium. Now, where is the game being played? Levi Stadium. I think a certain record is being broken this weekend, and it's not the fact that the 49ers are unbeaten at Levi Stadium. I think someone who has lost to Kirk Cousins finally makes the Super Bowl, and the 49ers beat the Lions. You've said it yourself throughout this thing. The Lions play well, when it is scrappy and then they can mount an insurmountable lead. Can they mount an insurmountable lead against that 49ers defense? I don't think so. Unless the weather's bad. And in which case, if the weather is bad, both teams are going to play poor. And it will come down to the running game. Who has the better running back? The team with Christian McCaffrey. It's got to be the 49ers. James laying the gauntlet down. James versus the Oracle. We'll have to come have you come back on the on the show and uh, and see who's won that one. I, I I don't know. Is the Kirk curse slightly faltered because he didn't finish a regular season, which he has done before? I don't know. Maybe that comes into a factor, and uh, maybe that's not the true Kirk curse broken. But uh, it's going to be a great game. I would love to see the uh, the Lions get shown up and prove me right for once because I don't get many of that opportunities. So uh, let's see what happens in that game. I do think. Christian McCaffrey is a cheat code. And if you can't stop him, which meant most people can't, you're going to win the game. Um, I think for me, the two teams that are most deserved of going to a Super Bowl are the Ravens and the 49ers, but it doesn't always pan out that way. So we'll see what happens and we'll, uh, we'll come back next week and uh, we'll talk about it again. But uh, speaking of coming back next week, 
I think that's all we've got time for. So thank you very much for tuning in. It's been uh, it's been great to talk about football. It's been great to have another show talking about the Vikings. It's uh, been great to have you on, James. Thank you very much for coming. Ah, uh, 100%. You've, you've sparked a joy that I thought was long gone. No, oh, mate, that's uh, very kind words. Reese, have you enjoyed yourself? Always do. Well, let's uh, let's have you back next weekend and let's talk about the lead up to the Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for being with us. Hope you come back again. Zeke. Go on then. Say goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye, gentlemen. <laughs> there we go. We've even got guests saying it now. Yeah. Thanks for having us. And we'll see you next week. Ta-ra. <laughs>